With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I finally said, yeah, can I help you? He says, are you that guy on Shark Tank? I said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That had never happened before. He said, you're an (laughs) hole. I know I'm having one of those days. How now, Brown? I'm having one of those type of days. Uh, Should we we record a program? Yeah, let's do a show. I just need the thumbs up from that extremely good-looking Italian man, Caleb, behind the camera. He gave me the thumbs up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Impulsive, the number one podcast in the world. We have a very special guest today, a very special guest today. He's the inventor of the Funyun. He's the doer of triathlons. His claim to fame is finding the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Unreal. And he is the Wizard of Oz. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Kevin O'Leary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, I really appreciate it, but just call me Mr. Wonderful. Everybody else does. Mr. Wonderful. He didn't do any of those things, I don't think. Unless you did invent the Funyun. Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. But, you know, it's still, I like the wonderful thing. Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. Is that a, is that an, uh, a Richard Milley on your wrist? No, this is a hot new company. You know, I'm huge on oh, watches. Here we go. And, uh, <laughs> they, you know, I, listen, I don't own any equity in them. They're just, I just appreciate the art of making great pieces. Aventi, and they're out of Australia. And I always tell these you know, young watchmakers, listen, I'm, I'm very supportive, uh, but make me a single one-of-a-kind piece that I could feature on Shark Tank. And this is going to be this season's. This is a crazy watch. I mean. And, I, and you're not involved in the company? No. Sometimes I just want to help the artist. Like you know, that. it's just, I've made lots of money and, you know, I want to give back a little bit here, huh. but people know me as a watch guy and, mm. you know, they really look at what I wear, particularly on Shark Tank all around the world. I got the red band. And so these days I got a lot of watches already. And I say to all these makers, look, I don't need another watch. I, I try and wear four a day and I still can't get through, you know, a 10th of the collection. So I'm saying, okay, great. Make me one of a kind. Go to town, make me something really unique. I'll make it famous, and then we'll auction it for charity. You're a good guy, Kevin. Hey, listen, I'm happy. I mean, these are wonderful. Happy to do it. But you know, these pieces, particularly in my classic uh, Rolex Daytona red band, white face steel, that went for sixty five thousand dollars, and it all went to charity. That's very cool. That is awesome. What's your favorite watch that you own? Right now, I would say the Picasso of watchmaking is FP Journe. There's no piece I own that is appreciated more in the last two years. The guy is literally a living Picasso. You can't, it's, the, the waiting list is like years. But I started collecting early because I recognized the genius of his dials. Like when you see that piece, what, it blows What's, what's it called? I'm going to look him up. F.P. Journe. F.P. Any, any piece you can get is priceless. And the secondary market's insane. They're selling for like million two. Can you give me one? <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Can you give me one? You know, th- that ain't going to happen. I mean, it's, I, I've, I'm really, this is the, for me right now, 
and, and I love all the pieces I've got, but those things are special. These are wow. nice. These are nice. It's cool that you got a, uh, you got these passions. I mean, it's always interesting to see what, what people are into behind the scenes. And I can imagine how many watches you have. You have any other passions? Like you, I'm sure you collect Pokemon cards or something. Guitars. I got a massive guitar collection. I was a shareholder once in Fender. Um, never made any money on the stock, but I made a lot of money buying early strats and tellies. And you know, those have, those have been great. Try and play as much as I can. All the, all our social media, it's my tracks. I don't like getting all the trouble with publishing rights and everything. Yeah. So I sit down, I've got a studio and I just dream shit up. That's it. You do so much. You do so much. I was with Mark Roberts this morning. Yeah. Our mutual friend. Yeah. He's like a stepdad to me. My Miami stepdad. Tell and, him what uh, he, tell him what he, what he owns. Tell the people what he owns. Mark Roberts owns 11 and a, a plethora of other things, real estate. And he's, he's, he's a business comma man. Yep. Um, and I, I said, yo, what do, I, what do I ask Kevin? You know? And so uh, he told me to ask you about your routine. Yeah, well, Mark and I get up at the same time. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. And I work out for an hour right away. Um, either I take my bike out on, you know, on the causeway or I take a cruise down the beach or something. Hmm. Or I hit the machines. But I'm reading stuff uh, from 5 to 6. And then maybe I do a CNBC hit or something. Tomorrow I'm going to do Good Morning America. But I want to be... I want to be wired by the time I'm on television. I want to be worked out and I want to feel, you know, healthy. And he's the same way. And that's, we sort of got to know each other around that routine. And I just think it's a good way to live because you get that time by yourself to do your stuff. Nobody bugs you. Nobody's up at five o'clock. Mm. I am. And, <laughs> you know, and I do a lot of work in the Middle East now and I'm doing stuff in Dubai and Abu Dhabi and all, and all these international investments. And people are work 24 seven anyways. So you can get a lot done. Yeah, yeah. What are you reading when you read? I read research uh, that's sent out to me because my, my my biggest business is financial services. And, you know, we make indexes for sovereign wealth and pension plans. So I got to know what's going on in the financial markets. But, you know, at this conference that we're all at here, Miami, uh, crypto, Bitcoin 2022, for the first time on the first day, I looked out in the audience, it was all the giant institutional investors. Let's They've go. never come to this Let's conference, go. never. And I started asking guys, what are you doing here? And they're saying, we sense the world's changing. We see the policy coming. <laughs> we see these senators showing up here. We know they're going to make this thing investable. It's going to be huge. We're going to make it. Let's go. Oh, yeah. We are going to make it. Gonna make it. Yeah. I read 20% of your, uh, of your worth is in, is in crypto now or it your is, investments. Yeah. Yeah. I've got 32 different positions on. I mean, you know, I'm very fortunate. The way I look at it, and I think the best way to look at, at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is not a coin, it's software. Ethereum software, Solana software, Helium software, Polygon is software. They're software development teams. Either you believe in what they're doing, you don't. Hmm. If you like what they're doing, I like what the guys are doing at Polygon. They're reducing gas fees by aggregating transactions. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I put some dough into that? Yeah. It makes sense to me. And so I met the team over in Dubai. I said, guys, I got to get a piece of this. And so I'm investing privately in these things. I'm an investor in FTX. I have to disclose I'm a paid spokesperson for FTX as well, along with Tom Brady. That's a good crew to be with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and so it's fun. And I, I believe in what they're doing. And so it, to me, this is the 12th sector of the S&P. We just don't know it yet. And in 10 years, you're going to turn, we're going to wake up and say, wow, we have 11 sectors. Now we have 12. Mm. That's, wow. It's so big part of the, such a big part of the economy. Yep. Do you think it would yep. replace the S&P? No, I don't think, I think really what's going on here is it's just making the economy more efficient. And now the government's figured that out. When you can be more transparent, faster, cheaper, 
I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's really what's going on. You talk about crypto, it's really making financial services and investing easier and more transparent. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with owning some Bitcoin. I think it's like owning a building, it goes up in value. Brady just bought a uh, board ape. Do you own any uh, NFTs? NFTs are really intriguing for me. And I know you guys have just dropped something big in the last couple of days. And, and I think the way I look at it is, let's go back to watches for a second, okay? My biggest problem in the watch industry, if I'm buying a secondary piece, like something Patek made that's out of production, that's 22 years old, how do I know I'm not getting ripped off? Because the chances are I am. There's so many fake pieces out there. If we created an NFT for every watch when it was actually made at the factory and authenticated it with a really high resolution image of the dial, which has tiny imperfections in it, mm. you know with certainty that you're buying the real thing. Mm. So I think authenticating um, collectibles is the way to go with it. It's already it's already happening. It's there's, so, there's watch watchmakers already working on it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's it so works. funny you say that. Well, a I love the physical to digital uh, connection. Yep. That seems inevitable and super necessary. And then um, I was on this podcast explaining this same importance because I bought a box of Pokemon cards that <laughs> no, was you fake. You bought a box of I bought a box of GI Joe cards that was is now bro. How can that happen? It can happen because somebody wanted to rip you off and they did a yeah, great job yeah, doing it. Yeah, and it, it was verified by by a, a verification company, yeah, which so is why I bought problem. it. And you got to know who you're dealing with because at the end of the day, if you're buying a Patek, the only guy that can authenticate it in the whole world is John Reardon. You got to, he's he's the guy. He knows, he's the, he's the Patek guy. He ran the Patek Museum. Everybody knows, John, check this watch out. It ain't cheap. But if you're spending 150, 200, $300,000, you got to, John's got to check it out. Yeah. So, you know, even, and I'm working with him along with some other guys to, to get the protocol, the white paper down so that we can modify uh, the secondary watch market first. That's what I'm most interested in. I buy a lot of pieces that I think are really rare that I really like, they're great investments. And my FP Jorn catalog, I want every one of those on NFT because, you know, that is going to be, I, I already told my wife, listen, I want all these watches buried in my coffin with me and she said yeah sure don't worry about it sharp <laughs> <laughs> that coffin's gonna get dug up real quick yeah right everybody at the funeral's me. like nice <laughs> i will be there it's, it's a closed <laughs> casket with like a lock and we're like come uh, on it's like the pharaohs you know it's sort of that's what they did you're going to a place where you need a good timepiece because you're gonna be there forever it's a good point. Uh, yeah but time saying. doesn't exist there so yeah no it's true wait <laughs> oh and yeah, in the afterlife. Got it. Talk about afterlife. No, no clocks there. No, you're still no. gonna get a, you're, ne you're gonna need a good watch. That's what I think. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. What, what happens? It's just an open. Well, time is, is we created that just to measure. It's not an actual. So there's no days there. It's just an, an always on. Like the sun came up well, at I one guess point. You're always just, dead once you're dead. Yeah, but still, you need. But a good you're watch. dead with fashion, now, my man. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I'll have more watches than anybody else. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, did you start wearing the suit before you made a lot of money, or did you make a lot of money because? You wear a suit. Great question. You know, that it's a great cool. question. And what happened to me was years ago, I was, you know, Shark Tank took off and and I was, you know, I wore this suit, this this uniform. Yeah. And I show up at uh, some show in New York and it was a daytime show. Maybe it was, um, I can't remember which one it was. One of the morning shows, right? And I had just, you know, a pair of jeans on and a shirt. She said, where's, where's the Shark Tank suit? I said, <laughs> who cares? She said, you can't go out there without the Shark Tank suit. And I said, why not? She said, it'll freak people out. You have to go back to the hotel and get back in the Shark Tank suit. And I realized 
shit, there's a brand out there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yep. and, and that was the first time it hit me. And she told me something about a Q score that the networks rate when, when you come out and you're not you and there's something different about you. That's not good. Mm. They want to know what they know. Even if it's a let, even if it's a level <clears throat> well, up. Listen, I, for example, the red bands, I got to wear a red band on Shark Tank yeah. all the time now because it started, you know, seven or eight years ago. They don't, they want continuity. They want to be able to cut between years and scenes and see the same suit. So I'm the guy that wears the same thing. I got 25 of these suits, 25 of these <laughs> shirts. Yes. And you know, it, it's, it's just part of who I am. Even when I show up in Dubai, they say, where's the suit? You're like, like I just got on the plane. Yeah, and it's 146 degrees. <laughs> yeah. now. Like I'm wearing shorts. It is what I, it is, I, I and you got you got to respect it. You know? I, I just can't imagine somebody watching like, what the fuck is he? Is that blue? Mm -mm. Fuck this show. It's <laughs> brand. It's 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 branding. It's why I I asked is because like he is the businessman, and a suit is very easily tied to that. It's like. We, we all love Kevin O'Leary, but Kevin O'Leary in a suit? Oh, my God. Damn, we lounge, had to do some business, brother. Do you brother. in the house like watching Netflix wearing a suit? Hey, listen. I, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm wearing, uh, you know, Japanese fishing pants. Like, they're, they're very colorful. And during the whole pandemic, <laughs> I would wear... I would, can, can I see a picture of this? Yeah, you can just go look. Yeah, yeah. See, anywhere on social, I'm wearing the shoot top, but I have no pants on. So, and I did that for two years and I keep doing it now. Because when you're on TV, I got my own studio and I'm recording something with, you know, whatever show it is. Why should I have to wear pants? Oh, 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 these are cool. Oh, those are real. Exactly. Oh, these are cool, dude. That's what you want. <laughs> very package friendly. Very, very easy <laughs> very to flow. Dude, these are sick. That's it. What? That's it, man. I, I'll tell you how I learned about these. When I was a kid, my father worked for the United Nations and we got posted in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And it's 140 degrees there and it's 100% humidity. And I also learned to, to cook. I became a chef there because the housekeeper, Tiba, and Dang were the two. One was a housekeeper and the other was a chef. She'd take me to the market at 4 a.m., 4 o'clock, because it was so hot that they had to go and buy the fish and everything else. So we'd hit the, it was right on the Mekong Delta, right there with the fishermen, and everybody wore those pants. And I said to her, I need a pair of those pants. Yeah. And once you put those on, you don't go back. Yeah, yeah. They're just so comfortable. And I've been wearing them my whole life. And also she taught me, you know, the fusion food, they can't use heavy cream and butter because it's so hot. So they change, like, instead of using butter, they'll use lime juice and mango chutney. So I have this big business now called Chef Wonderful on QVC and I make these dishes and I got a huge wine business as well. You know, it's, it's sort of, I go on to Chef Wonderful, we, we sell millions of dollars worth of wine, but I did that myself. I, I actually can cook. And I love doing it. So sick. How you were able to turn that into a, a business? Because I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you want to do is basically do businesses that you love doing. I don't mind getting out there and, and cooking. Like, that's fun. I was a chef at Benihana's. <laughs> and five uh, you know, the biggest, and five guys, the yeah. biggest mistake. <laughs> and illegally at my dad's restaurant, I'm like 11. I shouldn't even have been cooking. Everybody makes the mistake of putting too much salt and sugar into food. Yeah. You take away the flavor. The, 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 when they make food, the, the Asian fusion way, they only use natural. If you want salt, you add lime. You don't put salt, you add more lime juice. And it gives it a little ting and it makes a much fresher salad, much better fish. I'm totally into that. I don't use any salt anymore. I don't put sugar in my food. It's a great way to cook. That an aura ring? Yeah, no, I'm totally tripped out on this stuff. Yep. So aura ring, got a whoop. Yep. <laughs> um, I wear a uh, glucose sensor, although I'm not a diabetic. Because I track, I don't want to spike my glucose. Mm. If you want to stay sharp during the day, you got to eat foods that don't spike your glucose. When you when you hit yourself with three teaspoons of white sugar, you're frying your brain. So like me drinking this coffee right Very now. Very bad. Probably. Fried. Well, you brain shouldn't fried. put sugar in it. 
So I got into this thing. Um, I was doing some work on CNBC a couple of years ago, and all of us, it's live, right? It was a halftime report. And I felt like I was losing my concentration. I couldn't even remember the stocks we were talking about. So I actually went to see this guy named Richard Isaacson. He said, oh yeah, you're spiking out your brain. If you just simply change your diet, you're gonna be much sharper. And he was right. And I, in, in, the, in the process, uh, basically I lost 22 pounds because I don't eat for 16 hours a day. I, you know, I do this intermittent, you do intermittent fasting. fasting. Yeah, you know what's amazing? It's impossible to do it for the first three weeks. Then you're never hungry again. I haven't so even eaten today yet. I haven't I, either. I, I know I people that swear by that. Yeah. 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 It's, the only thing that it's the only thing that keeps me from becoming of way, more of a whale than I currently am. So you're doing it too? Yeah, all the time. I, okay, I don't, so I don't cool. Eat, you get, you get the joke. But these things, these track your, you know, I look at my sleep. Yep. What you find so interesting, and this is my biggest weakness, is I love wine. But if, if you drink wine three hours before you go to bed, you really screw up your sleep. Yeah. You get no REM. And so you got it. The best thing to do is get up in the morning and drink in the morning. <laughs> Let's go. Hey. He's a darty. <laughs> he likes the darty. Dude, dude, just imagine him five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, I, I haven't got to that place yet. But you know, the, whole I, the whole idea is reduce the amount of alcohol you're taking in before you sleep. You know, going back to Mark Roberts, the guy barely drinks, right? Yeah. It's, he gets the joke on that stuff. He does once in a while, but I go out for dinner with him all the time. We hit every restaurant in Miami to check it out. Like, but not you don't spend a lot of time at 11? Oh, man. I've, I've spent some <laughs> wicked time at 11. Dude, the last time I was there, you know, I was having a great time. Thank goodness no pictures. And then I step outside. It's 7.30 in the morning. All That's the how time. it works. Every yeah. time. And yeah. I, I go, what the fuck? What happened to me? What where, what I've been, you know, it was crazy. I mean, that I got to stop going to that place. It's an, listen, 11, 11, is an I gotta stop. 11 Miami is an institution. It's an institution. It, it is, but you got to get Mark's box. Like, that's 100%. the only way to do it yeah, yeah. because everywhere else is way too crazy. Yeah. Plus, you get a good view of what's going on. It's not really a strip club anymore. It's a cabaret, which yeah. I think they're trying to elevate their brand. He gets brand too. And I think 11 started as a pretty, you know, down and dirty brand. But now you're building real estate with the brand yep. and you're going into vodka with the brand. Yep. So my advice to him was clean it up, baby. Like if you want a bigger audience, you got to be a little more mainstream. You, you even, hey there, impulsive viewer. This is not your typical ad. It's... uh. Not quite an ad, but it's a it's a reminder that I am listing my one of one PSA ten Pikachu Illustrator on Liquid Marketplace. So Liquid Marketplace is the platform that I co-founded that fractionalizes ownership of top tier assets. So instead of me being the only person in the world who owns this card, we as a collective can own it together. That was really exciting to me in the business side of my brain. Like the idea of blowing up a platform that I co-founded and believe in. I will be listing it for five million dollars instead of the five point three that I bought it for. So I'll be giving you guys a $300,000 discount, which I think is nice because everyone likes discounts. Um, so yeah, liquidmarketplace.io, if you want to buy in, it can be a small percentage, a fraction if you want, or a, a little more if you believe in the card like I do, because I will be retaining 49% ownership of the card. It's one of the features we have for people who list their assets and their items on our site. The sellers can retain uh, a, a percentage under 50. So I'll be retaining 49% of the card and allowing 51% of it to be bought by the users on Liquid Marketplace. So liquidmarketplace.io to buy in, to co-own the only one-of-one -one PSA 10 Pikachu Illustrator in the world. Thank you guys. Now back to the show. You even gave your business advice to Mark. Of course. I tell him what to do every day. Hmm. Doesn't It doesn't always listen, but he's doing Are you the reason he's rich? No, but we're in a couple of deals together. We really are. We invest together in some things. Um, 
We've got a company called Immutable Holdings that owns NFT.com. They just launched. They're huge. I'm an advisor. Did you know that? Yeah, I know I, that. I, I actually saw- talked to Jordan. I mentioned we were going to get together. And I like what he's doing in, yeah. in creating that whole new vision of NFT.com. Yep. And when I, a lot of artists approach me and say, listen, where do I put my infrastructure? Where's my building blocks? I say, talk to him. Yep. Like, you know, Jordan Free is, is doing the right thing. Yep. And I know you're involved as well, but I've also got Mark in that deal. And uh, cool. we've gotten that one together. Uh, we did something with WonderFi, which is a Canadian crypto. We own the entire Canadian crypto exchange license and we're centralized and decentralized. Uh, we're taking that into the Middle East with the UAE and Brazil. Uh, we're, we're trying to get, what I'm trying to do on crypto is is get the, the, the government's licenses so we're not rogue cowboy guys. So we can work with the government and, and build regulated exchanges because that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. They, and the government loves that. Yeah. Sure, it makes so their UAE, so Brazil, yeah. Switzerland, these guys are advanced. England, the same way. So I think WonderFi will eventually become a giant holding company for all these these licensed exchanges around the world. Yeah. How many different entities, verticals, industries are you in? Because you, you like everything that we mentioned, you have a company in. You know what I'm saying? Or you have a, yeah. an advisor on a board. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you own any cheeseburger? Uh... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or casual dining. Uh... I actually own a bunch of uh, food companies, <laughs> but I tell you where I'm going with it. I don't, there's a lot of, you know, Shark Tank's always two years ahead of the market. The deals we see are coming, right? Mm -hmm. I saw this one, it just aired called Magic Dates. So I'm into healthier eating now and I don't eat a lot of shitty food. Mm -hmm. But she found a way um, to actually take date paste and make a very, very healthy snack that tastes sweet, that doesn't spike your glucose. Her sales are going through the roof because mothers want to give their kids healthy stuff. So, I found some strategic investors to join me in the deal. We're going to blow the company up because one of the great things about being a shark, everybody returns your calls. Like I could call the head of Walmart and get a call back. Right, and I right. say, look, let's help this woman. She's a female CEO. Let's help moms buy healthy snacks. Let's blow this thing up together. You know, it's it's just good business. Yeah. And so I'm into healthier foods now. Um, I'm trying to get out of the soft thing. I mentioned that earlier, but I got a lot of deals. I mean, it's, I feel that celebrity, you should use it to help people. You know, that's what I, and you're doing the same thing. I'm trying to say, look, I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. You can't get your call returned. I can. I'll buy a piece of your company. We'll go into the journey together and I can do things for you. You can't do yourself. That's being, I think, a good investor. I found, I found Mike on the street. Yep. I, he was literally. And, and you should put him street. right back there. Yeah, I was. I still <laughs> am. <laughs> I still am. I'm still there. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, but you're absolutely right. Putting people on is is amazing, and I can't imagine how good you feel putting all make, well, literally changing lives. Yeah, it's great. And and look, you, you don't you you can still do business. You can still be an investor, but you got to find things you're. I I like to spend my day doing shit I like. Yeah. So. The, the, you know, I, I have a great woman here in Nancy Chung. She allocates the time. We do so much work. And then we say, what are these things that I don't want to do? Because I don't have to do anything. Yeah. That's the whole idea of being an entrepreneur. It's not, not about the greed of money. It's about the pursuit of personal freedom. I do whatever I like. 
but I like to do stuff that's, you know, interesting. And so I surround myself with interesting people. I got a great crew. We do interesting stuff. We go all over the world and we're investors. And, you know, an entrepreneurship is not the pursuit of greed. It doesn't work. People smell bullshit a mile away. You got to be transparent. Yeah. I was going to ask, are you inherently curious? Yeah. You seem, you seem like you're interested in a lot of things, which I imagine lends itself nicely to putting your heart and soul into these different companies or at least listening to them. Yeah. I mean, look, people try and hustle me all the time, but I, I kind of, I can sense the bullshit like everybody else can. And so if, if it's, if it's not interesting and it's really BS and, and I don't go there, but very often I run into people with great ideas. Like today at the conference, I got inundated with deals. There were two of them that sounded really interesting to me. And so I said, okay, listen, give me your, here's my cell number, text me. I'll get my crew to check it out. And I, my bet is we'll probably invest in one of these things. Wow. And that's how you find great wow, deals. Good for, but you're willing to hear these people out? This guy approached me with a fantastic tokenized, you know, gaming is way where we're going to go into the metaverse. We all know that. 100%. And, and tokens are it. And so I like gamers that get the joke and have figured out a way to tokenize and engage. And, and this kid looked terrific. And the more I talked to him, the more I got it. So I got a whole team looking into it. And, you know, he wants me to buy a piece of his company. I'll do Was it. Was it Phil? No. No, I won't say who it is till I finish my diligence because I <laughs> promised the guy. He's got a bunch of guys chasing him, but I can do things for him that no traditional venture capitalist can do. Ah. And I'm not against venture capital, but they don't have millions of followers. Mm -hmm. And so there's a direct correlation between market capitalization and social media today. And you're a living proof of that. You know, it's sort of, we as influencers, if you want to call it that, can help bring a company forward by telling its story and investing in it and saying, check this out. Mm. And I'm very transparent. I declare all my positions. I say, I invested in this. Here's why. I'm not telling you what to do, but here's why I invested in it. And we can, and we can get, you know, blow the company up and help it get its mandate done if I'm a believer in it. So that, that's a strategy. You're much uh, more patient and kind probably than I am. I, I, I will not hear the nft metaverse pitches and i understand i'm here at bitcoin week but like i just have no fucking patience bro like i'm i am unwilling to hear I all to of them about that, but you're getting out. into authentication right uh as far as like non-fungible tokens yeah or, yeah yeah okay so i mean you're part of that universe one way or another i, I agree and it's probably why they're coming up to me because they think i'm probably interested in, in the universe but i'm not well, they I'm, want to trade off your name okay that's basically why they yeah. want it, they want to get access to your followers and that's okay if you believe in it yourself and it becomes part of your investment strategy yeah but it's not okay to sell your name for the sake of being paid oh, oh that's for sure. totally uncool for sure for yeah. sure i'm i'm just saying like i just man the 99.9 percent .9 of bullshit because most of it is bullshit i just I don't feel like well, listening to that's savvy business. I mean, I totally get that. But, you know, when I get approached with product deals and I do some of them, I ask myself, would I use that product? Would I, the only way I'll endorse something is I personally use it. Mm. So, you know, when watch companies say, hey, listen, will you endorse my watch? I say, guys, I'll endorse the art of watchmaking, but I'm not going to stick myself with one brand or another. I own all the com the brands and I'm happy to be an ambassador of of, you know, mentorship or whatever, <clears throat> but something like a start engine or an FTX where I actually use the product yeah. and I've got millions of dollars invested in it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a paid spokesperson for both those companies. I believe in equity crowdfunding and the best platform is Start Engine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But I'm also a shareholder and I did disclose it. Same with Sam Bankman Freed. I like his mandate. I like his parents. I like his family. And I'm happy to be a shareholder. And I like to support him. So, yeah. But everybody knows it's like I'm not bullshitting anybody. I want to I want to talk to the entrepreneurs for a second. The the entrepreneurs watching this podcast or anyone trying to start a business because it's it's horrifying and extremely difficult. Yeah, um, you've done it multiple times over, and I'm sure you get this question asked all the time. But what's your advice? What's your advice to entrepreneurs out there looking to make a life for themselves with a the business? Get ready to fail multiple times because that's what's going to happen. And if you can't handle that. Don't try. Only a third of people can actually make it through entrepreneurship because it's incredibly hard. It's not get rich overnight. It's not a Bitcoin. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Deal and all that stuff. The fact is, Growing a business is almost impossible. It's going to take years. You're going to have to make mistakes. You're going to have to pivot. And you have this horrible decision about the balance of time in your life. It's best to be an entrepreneur in your 20s. It's very hard to do it later on when you're free to actually spend 25 hours a day working. And, you know, I've always, I always tell this story about uh, entrepreneurship. I teach a lot of um, graduating cohorts of engineers. And because a lot of those guys have deals and I like to do at Harvard, MIT, all these places. And we'd had a night class a few years ago. I'll never forget it. There's a guy up at the top and you know, these cohorts are like 600 people, some of these big classrooms. And I'm, we're getting, it's a three hour session. That's long, six to nine at night. We're almost at nine. And this guy puts up his hand who hasn't contributed anything all night. You, you start to figure out who's not doing yeah. anything right after three hours. He says, listen, I got to ask you a question. I said, well, yeah, it's like five minutes to nine. You're finally contributing <laughs> something. He says, no, no, this is a tough one. Um, I've been running this business out of my dorm uh, and I'm about to graduate. It, it's, it's a cloud business that provides compliance software for hedge funds that have $250 million or less, which is a niche business. Yeah. I'm making about $5 million a year in free cash flow. And I said, I don't hear a problem. You're, 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 you haven't even graduated and you've got an outstanding business and you're doing it part time. He said, that's not the problem. My fiance came to me today and said that she's going to leave me. And I said, why? Because I'm not spending any time with her family. I don't have any time on weekends. I can't go out to the soccer games with her nephews and stuff. And I, I didn't, I, I just can't because I'm so busy and I got to keep my business going. I got to graduate my degree. What do I do? Now the class is like, you could hear a pin drop in there, <laughs> right? And I said to him, wow, okay, I'm not Dr. Phil, but let me give you some advice here. Which one is easier to replace? The girlfriend or the business? <laughs> I mean, you gotta ask that question. You're making 5 million a year, and every woman in this class now knows this. 
I, like, <laughs> I got a buddy who owns 11. I can solve your problems so right now. I'm going to guess that if you can't work this out, you're going to just do fine. And, and, I, and I said to him, the way you got to think about it is she's not the right person. If she's not supportive of this journey you're on, yeah. you're obviously going to be wildly successful. You're going to get somebody else. Yeah. Now that caused a shit storm. Really? Oh yeah. We, we didn't end the class for another 45 minutes because we started to debate the merits of how you value your time and what's important to you and, uh. and where you should decide to be when you're an entrepreneur. You've got to find a partner, a significant other that understands the journey and is willing to support that journey because that's ultimately how you're going to be personally free one day. So I would have loved to, you know, do a check now, two years later where that guy is now, but I bet you he's making a fortune. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, I'm sure he's got plenty of options, uh, so. I actually have a question for you. And speaking of the partner thing, that is a huge thing. Uh, my girlfriend supports me. Like if I come home at like four o'clock in the morning, she'll have dinner ready for me and she'll go back to sleep. Like, as long as you're not cheating on her four in the morning, it's a strange time to go. Dude, I can never <laughs> cheat. I can't even cheat on myself, dude. Uh, and that's my next question. What happens to a person who has too big of a heart? Because I feel like, when I try to hire friends or when I try to, if I see an employee like keep failing, but I know he's a good person. I know he's, he has the capability. Like I feel like my biggest fall and the reason why I'm not where I need to be is because my heart keeps fucking my path up like crazy. You have to make that differentiation. You've got to put metrics in place. The worst thing you can do is hire your brother, sister, or uncle, cousin. Who works for you, by the way? Your assistant? Who is that? My sister. Yeah. But by the way, crushes it. She's the only employee that I trust. <laughs> the, the hardest thing to do is get the whacking stick out when you know you have to do it. If you're putting a team together, if you're building a business, you've got to have a discipline of setting goals, achieving them. And if they can't reach them, it's behind the barn and you know what you have to do. You gotta, you gotta move on. You gotta move on. You, you gotta keep your crew tight. You have to make sure that everybody understands what they're doing. And particularly when you're building a business, you gotta allocate as you're building it and it gets bigger and you gotta find good people. I've made most of my money in investments, um, investing in women. If you look at all these Shark Tank deals over 14 years, 75% of the returns came from companies run by women. They're better at mitigating risk. So I'm already biased at backing women. You see my returns, because they, they're, you know that old adage, you want something done, give it to a busy mother. It's true. They know how to use their time. And so I'm a big advocate for that. I'll invest in any idea that I think has merit, but I invest more with women now because I've made so much dough with them. World of women, dude. Hey, listen, it's, it's a, I'd give money to a goat if I could get a return. Like, I mean, I'm into it for the returns I'm yeah, making, but yeah. women are very good at this. What's the most successful investment? Wait. You... I'll wait. How much longer do you want me to wait for? I just, I wanted to ask something kind of just before we- Is like, it about women or goats? Both <laughs> female goats. Go. No, it just got kind of still on this entrepreneur. Oh, oh got it. Go before go, go. we get into because sure. I'm curious sure. about all that as well. Absolutely. Um, okay, I'm super curious about this. Yeah. All right. Quick anecdote, little story, followed yeah. by a question. Sure. Uh, I took a class in high school called Design Squad. I was a straight A student. Design Squad. Des Design Squad. All I got were A's. We'd we'd be uh, tasked with these little um, missions on on you know get a ball from A to Z and make it uh, set off a mouse trap. That was the particular one we were doing this time, and yeah. just launch a rocket, whatever. And so <laughs> I was, got laid in high school for sure. Just trying to <laughs> just trying to envision I'm him kidding. with kidding. this Ruth Ginsburg machine. And like fucking loser. So are you an artist? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. So listen, if that's a true story, it's not bullshit. That's interesting. I wanted to be an engineer. I want to, I want to make stuff. Yeah. And we only had certain materials, you know, that was the, that was the thing. And so I'm two weeks into this project. Uh, it's due the next day. 
and I'm realizing I can't set off this fucking mousetrap. And I'm looking around and every other group could, and I couldn't set off the mousetrap. And I got, I failed the project and I ended up because I failed that project getting an F in that class. And I, throughout the whole process, kept trying to make my thing work and kept trying to make my thing work and it didn't. And I didn't have the guts to say, fuck it, I need to start over. It's gonna be better for me if I literally start fresh. Mm. And I didn't and I screwed myself and I got to be in that class until my parents came in, talked to the teacher and had give me extra credit and then I got an A. So then, actually, thank you, Mr. Purdy, for making that happen. So that's pretty amazing. You got your parents to negotiate a deal. Did they get a percentage royalty on that? They did. That's they, pretty good. They, I, I bought my mama house. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. That's the right I, thing I, to do. I, I, bought your dad a truck. Bought yeah. my dad a truck, which he sold. Yeah. Um, For a motorcycle. Fuck, fuck you, Greg. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> just love you, Greg. But um, it was a actually amazing lesson for me because I learned like sometimes you need to start over if you're failing. Don't it's be true. afraid to start fresh. So when should entrepreneurs, if at all, pivot? Wow, that's a great question. I have a very simple rule to this and I tell them all when I invest in them. If you're not making money after 36 months, Three years. You got to take it behind the barn and shoot it because it's just a hobby. It's not a business. And everybody says, oh, no, 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 no. People get so, you know, stuck on a bad idea. They just keep thinking, I, if I keep working on it, it's going to fix itself. Mm. It doesn't fix itself. It was put on your journey to teach you what not to do. Mm. That's the whole idea. And if you don't realize the lesson learned, you're fucked. I mean, you're going to spend all your time on some really bad idea and waste it. You got to pivot. And I, I tell all my entrepreneurs, this one didn't work. I'll come, I'll, I'll come visit you with a good bottle of wine and we'll just drink it. And then we'll take this idea behind the barn and shoot it. <laughs> you, you spend a lot of time behind that barn. Yeah, I have. You know, I, not every idea works. But the most important thing is say, look, it's not working. Shoot it. Like, and let's move on. He's, oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I'll do it for you. Like, it's a rehabilitation home for all people. You got to shoot it. You have to shoot it. And then you move on to your next idea. And then the, you only need one to work. Yeah. You only need one. You get a winner, you go through the roof. Yeah. All right, Mikey. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. Uh, no, I was just, yeah, I was just going to go back to some, per, some superlatives. What is the most successful business you've invested on, uh, in as a, as a result of Shark Tank? So the number one exit was a deal called Plated, okay? Two guys from New York City started meal kits. Remember that whole thing where you just, a meal comes to your door every day and then you cook it? Yeah. That whole idea. And it's Blue still, Apron. Blue Apron was the big yep, yep. guy at the time. Got it. So what happened was the grocers started to see this trend occurring and they saw that Whole Foods was bought by Amazon and they went, oh no. So Albertson approached us at Plated and said, we'd like to buy you. They bought it for 340 million bucks. That was a Shark Tank deal. It was only 36 months old and it had grown dramatically. And so that was the biggest exit in Shark Tank history. And that paid for a lot of my mistakes on Shark Tank. Yeah. But there are deals now on Shark Tank and there's one being negotiated right now, can't announce it yet. It's actually one run by a woman that's going to be the largest individual winner um, because because I, I own a small fraction of the business and she owns the rest of it. It's an extraordinary outcome. And she, she built something incredible. Of course, we're going to track it on Shark Tank. Shark Tank knows about it, but the deal hasn't been announced yet. We're getting $100 million deals all the time now on Shark Tank. Wow. Because the show does one thing that the real secret of Shark Tank is to understand that it reduces customer acquisition costs for its companies. 
100 million eyeballs see every episode yeah. in syndication. So people see products and they order it online and the company paid nothing to get the customer. You want to get on Shark Tank and more, you, you want to get a deal with a shark so that you can actually be updated every year on the updates. And that's seen in 42 countries around the world. So we change lives on Shark Tank every day. Now, who knew this was going to get this big? I mean, this You didn't is, know? You didn't know that We that had no idea. No I remember way. season three, I said, wow, you know, we got a dog and a cat watching this show. That's it. Season four, things exploded because we went into this recessionary period and started coming out of it, and everybody wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then we started seeing huge numbers every week. And I remember the first time that I'd never, I went into the, the um, it was a Logan Airport, and I went into the washroom. Awesome. And um, my, my daughter and my wife were outside waiting for me. And this had never happened before. I'm, you know, at the urinal, I'm taking a piss, and this guy, the right, keeps looking at me. And I said, you know, it was uncomfortable. And, he, and I finally said, yeah, can I help you? He says, are you that guy on Shark Tank? I said, yeah. <laughs> that had never happened before. He said, you're an asshole. <laughs> and I said, why would you say that? He said, because you did a deal yesterday where you took 51% control. And I said, yeah, so what, you know? And we got into an argument about it. And I, I said, in to him, look, still, yeah, it's still being right. Somebody's still taking a shit and they're just listening. They're like, we're taking a piss at the urinal and just yelling at each other. And I said, look, a lot of deals get done in washrooms like this, but not today. Like, it's my money. I'll do what I want with it. So he's, and he storms out. And he and I learned this later. He says to Linda, my wife, and my, and my daughter, Savannah, you know that asshole Kevin O'Leary's in the washroom? And, and she said, I know. <laughs> you know that, that, was the first, that's, that was the turning point. That was season four of Shark Tank, and then we just never looked back. I mean, you know, things went nuts after that. Dude, when you find a format that works like that, especially commercially and in media, oh my God, yeah, it, really it is the wild. vehicle. It, it is really the wild. vehicle for the product. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you literally put yourself in a position where you're like, come to me about your great ideas, and you sit there and millions of people watch you make millions of dollars. What, uh, which offer do you kick yourself for not taking? You know, um, and it's legendary now. The guy that had Ring. Ring, I saw this oh, on no. YouTube, yeah. actually. You Jamie. turned down Ring? No, I didn't turn down Ring. It's exactly <laughs> what happened, because we're friends now, and he's the number two guy at Amazon now. He sold his company to Amazon for billions, right? So everybody passed. He wanted 600000 I said, okay, listen. You know, your valuation's crazy, but I really like you, and I'll give you the $600,000 as a loan for three years. You know, not an outrageous interest rate, but I want two and a half percent of the company and I want some warrants, you know, and I want some advisor shares and yada, yada, yada. But then you'll get a Shark Tank deal. I'll give you 600,000. He says, no. I said, you really should think about that. He said, nah, I'm not going to think about it. So I would have made about $800 million. So, so I, we, every year, every year to celebrate our, relationship because i've stayed in touch with them because we're good friends now we meet on at the fourth of july on nantucket island and we host this big lunch um on the on the fifth the morning after the fourth and we bring our families we have a great time and he just grinds it into me every time <laughs> you know, but what did he not like about that deal i'm curious he didn't like that he was scared of debt and i needed certainty that i'd get my capital back it wasn't guaranteed i'd get it back if he wasn't successful so i said listen at least I'm getting a return and you're giving me a little piece of the company for free to give you support and you got a Shark Tank deal. He yep. said, I don't want debt. I'm scared of debt. I said, either you're going to make it or you're going to fail. Like, 
if you fail, I lose my 600K. I'm taking that chance. But I want to be at the top of the cap table when I'm dead. I get paid first. You know, it's not a royalty, but it's interest. And you got to pay me back the 600 in three years, which you could have done in two seconds because the company was wildly successful. But I like the guy. But his value, I, you know, the valuation was stupid. He was offering like... Two percent for six hundred thousand bucks. Forget it. Yeah, like yeah, I, I, I want thirty percent. I, I have a quick question because I feel like many people think this about billionaires. Six hundred thousand doesn't seem like that much to possibly lose. Why do you care about getting your money back? You know, I, I learned. Um, my mother taught me something. If you ever disrespect money, you won't have any. It's mm. karma. I, every dollar I make, I kill myself to make it and I don't want to lose it. I cry like a baby when I lose 10 bucks. Like the other, the other day I realized I forgot when I flew back from Dubai that I didn't have my, you know, my, my, my frequent flyer number on that ticket and I lost like 400 bucks. So I spent two hours calling the airline saying, I want my ticket back. I want wow. my ticket back. I'm crazy that way. Wow. I want value. I want value. And I don't, I want to respect what my mother taught me about this that I, you know, every single dollar is hard to make. And if you don't respect it, you're going to lose it. I don't, I don't waste money. I don't do stupid things. Like when I buy a watch, I'm buying it because I think it's going to appreciate in value. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. I don't waste my dough on crap. That's wow. the way I look at it. So I care about 600000 And, you know, can I afford to lose it? Yes. But do I want to lose it? Fuck no. That's a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. <laughs> 600000 is still a lot of money. Well, it's also a slippery slope when you're, when you're seeing that type of deal flow as well. Because if you start... Uh, ignoring, you know, success metrics and just throwing 600K here, 600K there, all of a sudden you're just putting money into anything. And so he probably has a, you probably have rigid guidelines around how you invest your money and that's what keeps you in those. It's an intuitive feel. The other day I, I split the tab at a very uh, famous place here in Miami. I won't mention what, what it is. I, looked, I won't say because, because I, I looked at it and I said, wait a second. This is ridiculous. This is just ridiculous. So, and, and I'm, I know the owner very well. So, and I said to the guy, I, was, I said, look, before we leave, you, you, gotta, you gotta look at this tab. This just isn't, it didn't intuitively feel right. Mm. And sure enough, there was an error in there. They did triple charges for the wine or whatever oh. it was. It's just, you, you get this intuitive feeling when you're getting screwed. And you just, <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like, I don't Do want to take that on purpose. I don't think so. I think it was a, a valid mistake, but I said, you know, no disrespect, but I'm calling you out on it. I want you to go back. I want you to check out because I had a whole table. I probably had 25 people at this thing. And I said, there's something wrong here. I just feel it in my bones. Should have took him out behind the barn. No, but you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted to respect his, go check it. He came back and said, yes, it's on us. I said, I'm still paying for the meal. I don't want free anything, okay? I don't want to owe you anything. I just want to be charged what I thought I was going to be charged from your menu. And we, we cleared it out, and I'm still going to go back. We're still friends. But, you know, don't try and fuck me. Like, that's, that's like, I, I just, I have a spider sense about that. And if I find out you did it intentionally, I'll rock your world in a way you have no fucking idea. Don't screw me. That's it's not a threat. It's a fact. Dude, you just scared dude. That the scared shit the shit out, out of me. I'm frightened. Like, don't don't try and 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 screw me. I just or it won't be wonderful. You, I will not be Mister Wonderful. I'll I'll, I'll bring some interesting bring aspects. Me out of the no, I'll bring I'll bring some interesting aspects to your life. What is I'll that? Do, like a machete? No, you know you you. <laughs> I don't I don't need to be liked. I need to be respected. I, and I do the same for everybody else I work with. In business, I want to respect you. I don't not, I don't need to like you. 
Like, I just have to respect you and I have to trust you. It's trust. That's what I'm talking about. Speaking of respect, what is the most disrespectful moment on Shark Tank that you've ever been through? Or in life? You know, I'm, everybody calls me the mean shark, but I'm just telling the truth. And if you can't handle the truth, the real world's going to bite your ass anyways yeah. when you leave the Shark Tank. If your deal sucks, it sucks. And the reason it sucks, it's a bad idea. And I'm, I'm the only shark that'll tell you, your idea sucks, it has no merit, you're going to go bankrupt, you're going to lose all your money, and now that you're going to cry? Like, I'm your best friend. I just saved you. And, you know, some people can't handle it. It, it, it hurts. When you're invested personally and you love something, it definitely hurts to get you. I don't give a shit. It's still a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. We've had, there's stuff you haven't seen on Shark Tank where people, they don't, they lose their shit. Oh, they spaz out. They they should keep that in. I feel like they should, but they don't. That's good programming, and they can't take it. And you know, we have a psychiatrist on set for those moments when it happens. A psychiatrist? You actually have a psych? Yeah, yeah, we do. Throw a couple pros. I think I think producers are smart that way because you've been you've been waiting your whole life for that moment in front of the sharks, (sighs) and they don't bite. They don't want to invest for whatever reason. It's hard. Yeah, and we should give you support. But you know you got to deal with it. That's if you're an entrepreneur, you got to deal with failure. I said that at the beginning when we started talking. Yeah, that's what matters. Can you imagine going in for a Shark Tank deal and you leave and have to go get a lobotomy? They they, they strap. Listen, we we see some incredible ideas, but we also see some dog shit. I was gonna say any anyone anyone come in there and pitch an idea and like you can't say it, but in your head you're like you stupid all the time. Wait, I I do say that. that. (laughs) I, I do, and I say, you know. And it happens sometimes. We let them come back. Do you do it because it's good programming? No. Or, or is this, I, ge- this genuine? I got to be honest with you. The, the, you know, we've been doing this for 14 years. There's 20 plus cameras in there. There's all the lights and everything. We don't see that stuff anymore. We're, we're just so in the moment. Yeah, we're yeah. so into the deal. And we just, we start competing with each other. If it's a good deal and we're barking at each other. And, you know, we, we know each other so well that we just forget we're making TV. And that deal might be an hour and 20 minutes long and they cut it down to eight minutes. Yeah. And, you know, Barbara and I sit beside each other and, you know, we don't agree on anything. And the only reason she gets to the set every year on time is I buy her a new broom. Because <laughs> she's a wish. Oh, I didn't say that. I said she needs a broom. That's how she flies in. It's fantastic. But you guys actually have beef in real life? No. Uh, no. She's a great, we're both great cooks. We meet up at her place. Um, you know, it's fun to have Barbara cook for me. It's fantastic. I like her family. We hang out all the time. Uh, our crews work together all the time. She's really, uh, has a. she looks at things differently. She's not into numbers. She's into emotion. Huh. So she'll say, I don't care what I'm offering or what valuation, I'm just gonna do the deal. And I look at her and say, Barbara, why are you doing that? Let me negotiate for you. You gotta stop talking. Like it's just, but she just goes on her own way. That's how it works. I have a lot of respect for that. No, 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 it was good. It was good, it was good, I swear (laughs) to God, it was good. No, 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 please, 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 oh, it was good. You want me to load up? I I have something. No, but it was important, it was good. It's gotta be great. It's important. Set up high expectations. Go, go. Can I can I can I pitch you here on a yeah, Oh, so can we do that? Yeah, listen, it could end badly. No, I won't. Cuz this is a sure shot idea, Kevin. Okay. I'm I'm sure <laughs> shit. This ain't this ain't going behind the barn, dude. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> do you have pets? I did have pets, but I travel so much it's very hard. Funny you bring that up, Kevin. Yeah. Okay. We look at our pets as family members, right? Right. Our dogs are like our little brothers, our little right. sisters, right? Yeah. We love them. We like to sleep with them. They Got run it. around the yard. We hang out with them all day. It's a pet product you're pitching me? Well, it's, a, it's an infrastructure of sorts. Okay. <laughs> Kevin, 
when I want to go on a trip to New York City, when I want to go on a trip to Miami, it, <laughs> it hurts me that I cannot fly with my little brother, my little sister, my pet. It's an age-old problem. It's an age-old problem. Now, of course, the rich people can afford to fly private. Yes. But there's a ever-growing upper middle class and middle class that doesn't travel because they can't bring their pets with them. Got it. We at Terry Air, Terry Air, <laughs> have yeah. started a company. <laughs> We've started a company where we allow you to travel with your dogs and cats. So we've got a uh, buy seating arrangement where an owner is able to sit with their companion and travel the way they would like to travel uh, with their little brother, sister, or family member. I see a problem with Terry Air. Sure. Here's what it is. If you put, let's say you have a, you've got 130 seats, okay? And every second seat is another dog or cat. What a shit show that flight's going to be. Can you imagine what so, the Kevin, fuck's going to happen we've already in that airplane? Yeah, of course. I mean, they're going to go nuts in there. Correct. So we've retrofitted each one of the uh, seating arrangements with a low cabin. So basically, uh, for the companion seating area, it is uh, basically fenced in. So they're not always having so they're a just sight barking line. at each other for two hours. Well, we like to assume that. Or are you drugging them to sleep? No, there's no drugging. But generally speaking, uh, most of the uh, people that fly terrier have a good way of controlling their pets. So they sit there. The dog yeah, with drugs. This is my <laughs> this is my business partner, and, and we are in this venture together. And, and this isn't real, is it? Dead serious. So, so we've already bought we've already bought twenty seven thirty sevens that we've since retrofit. But we, we, we wanted to possibly mend it because we did have this idea that humans would be annoyed of all these animals going crazy on the plane. Both so of you just do sending not the animals give alone up. by themselves and the, do the not aircraft. give up your day jobs. This is a really what do we do bad with the, idea. What do we do with the 20 air aircrafts? <laughs> Sell immediately. Well, Kevin, I, I, there's a there's clearly a gaping hole in the market. There's there a, certainly is, but that's not to be filled by Terry Air. <laughs> Terry Air, well, Kevin, what Terry Air howls at the moon like a dog with rabies. That is a bad idea. But 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 okay. So let me let me ask you a question. I, I personally believe that dog lovers, people that have pets and want to travel with them, are willing to forego certain luxuries such as peace and quiet. By the way, I should say that I should say that every seat does come with okay, noise canceling headphones. We have a partnership with Harman Kardon. Ke Kevin, you're not going to drive no, no, this no, one no, in no, the ground. You're not going to bring this behind the Thank bar. Thank goodness I'm here. Terry Air sucks. <laughs> like it it just that is a really bad idea. That that is bad idea of factor 6. All right. That, that just Barbara? <laughs> I, I got I got one. I got one. Okay. Yeah. This is funny though, because that's not real. That's not real. Well, it was. It had a chance. You were serious. It, it well, sucks. So I knew it wasn't real. It's so stupid. Unbelievable. This this one was real. Was Kevin? Real. This I, I idea real one too. By the way, this <laughs> idea that I'm about to pitch you was my big idea in high school. I thought this was going to make me rich, take me to the moon. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. All right. You like breakfast? Absolutely. Most important meal of the day. Yeah. You like toast? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you're a busy guy. I was a busy guy in high school, busy kid. I chose to school early to study and I could never get my meal in in time because I also valued my sleep, but I wanted to eat in school. They didn't have meals in the morning. And I thought, how convenient would it be if I could just make some, I don't know, toast at school in a small single slice pocket toaster. That's right. You could put one piece, oh! of, bre piece of bread in it at a time. You could fit the toaster in your pocket, plug it into the wall wherever you go, and just munch on your bread, make your toast oh. as you please. It'll have slots for butter and yeah. jam and yeah. 
Very bad. Very bad, huh? Yeah. Kevin, as the co-founder of this company, yeah. uh, Pocket Toaster, I have to let you know that, that buttery toast demographic it, is know, a highly overlooked. You, you, can, you can only get me to howl at the moon when it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that you got to howl. But I made a Google sketch of I did a Google I, sketch I, I actually have a PDF of my product. So I did a 3D rendering. I, oh, oh, so I, fun fact, I actually tried to make this. Like I was trying to configure yeah. this in my kitchen. And uh, a the, electrocuted you. The fucking toaster blew up. <laughs> I it it exploded in the kitchen. My mom goes, "What the fuck? What's that?" The mark on the marble from the explosion is still in there today because I was trying to like unwire the nichrome wires. Like I know all the pieces of a toaster, and uh, that's when my dream died. In yeah, real life. Well, what we've also found out is that these pocket toasters also double as grenades for modern warfare. Yeah, I think it would be kind of <laughs> difficult to get through the security of a school. With you know the all the alarm going off, yeah. a lot of these schools during that period, during all the bombing and stuff, they put those metal detectors. So we're all for two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that's that's. A I can only imagine that George, our sailor I need some confidence, George George George, 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 George. Okay, right. actually, I, I want to zoom in on this. This is. It's be. called Bubba Ball. Phones off. Fuck. <laughs> it's called Bubba Ball. Uh, here you go, sir. You can hold this and admire it. It's my game I'm inventing, and uh, I don't drink. Yeah. And I love beer pong. And then I thought beer pong could take it to the next level. Uh, these have suction cups and each uh, cup has a number to it. There's going to be blue cups and red cups. You could suction them as far as you want. And the other opponent gets to put those cups in the uh, position. So the 10 point that your I opponent. I got it. I got it. This blows. Okay. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Why does it suck? Why does it suck? Does it suck you know or blow? I do you? understand why if they call you, you the mean shark. If I were you, I'd start drinking. <laughs> it's all right that's good great shark tank episode i have you know that this is going to be a ring point two for you okay <laughs> yeah maybe we bubble suck. ball damn yeah. so i'm completely off the table definitely that's gotcha. terrible Okay. You're never flying terrier, by the way. I don't care how many pets you get. You're banned. You're fucking. That just shows you how hard it is to come up with good ideas. We have none here today. That's, that's it. Good well, actually, that's not completely true, Kevin. Well, that's a real business. It is real business. And the reason we had you here today is yeah. we're looking to get a strategic investor involved uh, from the outside for yeah. a small portion of uh, of equity in, in Prime. Have you well, tried I, Prime? I don't have any equity. I haven't. Give you, but. Do you want to try some? Well, tell me what's in it. Is it too much sugar or not? Well, I'm glad you asked, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Two grams of sugar. Yeah. 10% coconut water. 25 calories. It's a hydration. 25 calories? That's it. Does it taste like shen? You tell me. All right. Give me the flavor you want me to try. What's your, do you like sweet bread. guy? Sorry, kind of grape, bread. tropical punch. It's universal. Grape. Let's go tropical. Let's yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. I love that flavor. I just want to let you know, Bubba Ball's going to rock. This is a really competitive market, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, very competitive. But we're, you know, we're competitive people. Yeah, and I get it. And so you're putting your brand on this? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, me and my business partner, KSI. Hmm. That's not shit. Logan. Jeff is going like this. I don't know, I don't what, know what it means. means. I have no idea what, what that means. Take off your headset. Yeah. Tell him the sale. <laughs> Three months. Oh, 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 we have numbers. Actually, that's pretty good. You How know, is he does, supposed it, it to get that? Have that it doesn't have that. What do I have to take you know, off that bullshit um, sh fake sugar aftertaste thing? This is this tastes good. Thank you. Um, it's doing very well. I'll tell you the 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 sales. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, 
two months in, we sold 10 million bottles. 10 million bottles? Uh-huh. How many dollars? Math's not really Why don't you say it? Why don't you say it? $10 million. No, no, no. I mean, no. It's, but, and how, how are you getting distribution? Yeah, Walmart, Target, Kroger, CVS, Vitamin Shop, GNC. So they, appro- they built this business up, then approached you to be a brand ambassador? No, no. Started it from the ground. Really? Yeah, we, we worked on it for, you know, eight months behind the scenes. That's and, pretty good. Because in this category, getting distribution is everything. It is everything. That's why it works. It, we are manufacturer and our uh, partners. So are, you don't lend your brand to this or people just know your prime? Like, how does this work? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm a, I'm a co-founder with a, a but if KSI. I look, if I go online and look at the advertising, of this is you. Are you all over? Yes, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so that's that. You know, that makes sense to me. If you have equity in it mm. and you're promoting it, and it's an entrepreneurial vision, mm. which it is, and you've achieved that in sales, the the, the thing you got to do with these kinds of of beverage models, you got to get yourself to fifty million in sales. Because at 50 million, you're starting to encroach on share of the big boys. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is they want to buy you. We're on, we're on pace yeah, but it doesn't work till it's 50. On the way to 50, they're going to do everything in their power to crush you and get you off the shelf. Yeah. And so that's what you're going to be fighting. It's such a competitive space because the shelf is completely loaded with competitors and you know who they are. Yep. And they don't like dirty little startups like you. Yep. But you have a competitive advantage because of your brand. But you've got to run till you're at fifty. Once you're at fifty, it's very defensible. So you got to get more distribution. Yeah, we have some we have some amazing things planned. I mean, honestly, we just scratched the surface in terms of what we're capable of doing. Yeah. Uh, my my partner is the biggest uh, influencer slash celebrity in the United Kingdom. We still haven't launched there. Those numbers so, aren't even. So you're going international. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I you know I probably focus more on domestic because if you've got ten, it's proof of concept. It's hard to get a million in this category. Mm. People struggle like crazy. But if you can actually break through, and I, I have to say the product doesn't t- it taste good, so you're going to get repeat, re, you know, repeat purchase. Well, we're, we're, what we're seeing is the every single week there's the sales go up, yeah, like by a drastic yeah. percentage. And, and is it is it a health claim you're making, or is it a boost, or what? What really is the uh, merits? I, would, of this? I wouldn't. I, I mean, it, it is it's a health hydration, claim. It's, right? It's it's a it's a very healthy, low calorie, low sugar hydration yeah, beverage. Right now, you're on target with the 25 calories. People are freaking out when they're drinking 160 calories per bottle of Gatorade. 160 calories. Yeah. I mean, I know. 24 you know, so grams of sugar. Sort of, and, and that's when, when you're trying to count calories, which a lot of people are when they're working out, but particularly in training programs, you don't want it. This is perfect, 25 calories. So that was the idea. I but mean, when I see 25 calories, I immediately think, oh, it's going to taste like shit. It's going to have that, you know, fake, sugary, fake, yeah. long aftertaste. Yeah. This does not have that. And I think you're achieving it with just a small amount of sugar. That's it. Wow. So congrats on this. But man, if you got 10, you got to get to 50 and you've got about, I'd say 18 months to get to 50. 50 million bottles? No, dollars. They're going to do we, that we in the next that, like three we months. We will hit that in the next probably. three months. Yeah. Because the UK, there's another one of him yeah. in the UK that may even you guys have are, well, they know who you are more. in the UK. I mean, you, 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 they know who you are in the UK. But this guy is the a guy. force of nature. Yeah. He's You made an international name in boxing. That's what happened to you. Like, Be- because of this guy, really? he's my business partner. Yeah. We, we we boxed, <laughs> we fought twice, and then yeah. we're no longer our enemies and we're friends and business no, I partners. Get it. I mean, I wanted to ask you about that because most people don't understand the boxing industry, if you mm. want to call it that. It seems to me like it's 95% promotion. And then you, yeah. then you end up in the ring where you can get the shit kicked out of you, yeah, which yeah. is high risk on health. Yeah. So it's it's a really high stakes game. Would you go do that again? Or are you done with that craziness? It's funny. The answer is yes. 
You do it again? The answer is yes. I well, don't. how many times do you want to have the shit pounded out of you? Let me tell you how many times until I have a fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of times, my friend. <laughs> I'm 0-1-1, one dude. I, I, my professional boxing record is 0-1-1, which is not great. So is there a strategy to protecting your brain when you're out there? Don't get hit. Yeah. You slick. You slick. <laughs> that's, not, weave. that's not that easy. It's funny. I just did WrestleMania this past uh, this past weekend. And, you know, people love wrestling. I'm sure you know the, the wrestling fans yeah. are crazy, crazy uh, devoted and loyal. And it's so much more fun. It's much safer than boxing. And optically, it's just as badass, if not more badass, doing these crazy moves. And so, I'm, you know, I'm having the conversation with myself. is like, what do I do? Would do I uh, pursue this maybe wrestling career uh, and, and, and preserve the sanctity of my health and my head? Well, that seems to me the balance because you've got a brand. You're yeah. building a business. You have everything in the world to live for. You can't lose your marbles. Like you got to stay sharp. Yeah. So every time you get in the ring, you're taking huge risk. I mean, yeah. you're extending the brand. I get it. But one bad punch, and you you know it's going to change your life forever. Yeah. Which I don't. I, that's a huge risk for me. I mean, a, you got to have balls to do it in the first place. But. I might let my uh, my brother. Do, I mean, do I, the I I don't <laughs> think you need to do that anymore to extend your brand. Yeah. I think you kind of ellipsed it already. And it's hard to do. It's really hard to build that franchise and then maintain it because people want to get more content from you. They understand the new directions you're doing. And what I found is if you're just brutally honest and people trust what you think and say, it just keeps extending your brand. Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'll take a page out of your book there for sure. And well, you, I, I just did. I found my own path. I just, you know, it goes back to my, a lesson my mother gave me once. She said when I was young, Never lie and you won't have to remember what you said. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got caught in horrible lies when I was young. Then I said, why am I doing this to myself? I got to stop. So I just tell the truth all the time now. It gets me in trouble, but I never have to remember what I said. It's going to be the truth in a month. It's going to be the truth in two years. And I think that extends the trust between yourself and people that follow you. You have a lot of wise things from your mom and dad. Yeah, well, well, my original father died when he was 37. My stepfather gave me a lot of business acumen but my mother was really into being you know independent and that's what i think is very important do you think that's why you lead more towards women because you've seen your mom do so yeah maybe i mean you know lebanese families are very matriarchal they're they're very they're run by the women in the family and your grandmother's a big persona in your family they always have sunday dinners if you don't show up you burn in hell for the rest of your life you know that kind of thing <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very family oriented thing and you don't realize how ingraining that is when you're you know nine ten years old but that's what we do in my family now like you just kind of goes generation after generation i try and hang out with my kids every weekend you know we get to do it in different cities i'm going up to new york this weekend hang out with my daughter and my wife we're gonna go hit some shows and stuff and cool you know do that i was gonna say what do you do for fun how do you yeah Broadway is open again. Uh, was going to see that new one with Matthew Broderick and Jessica Parker. He just announced today he's got COVID. So that bums me. Uh, but I'm still going to go to the show. I got tickets. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You, ever, you ever go fishing? In your I, Japanese do, fish I, do, I do. I do. I do. I love fishing. But, you know, it's um, a lot of people don't know when you go fishing out in the ocean, a lot of people get seasick. So you got to know that the crew you're going out <laughs> with have done this before. Mm-hmm. Because if you lose sight of, the, of land, if you're going out for big you know, big game, you're going to be out in the middle of the ocean with the rollers. I can handle it, but a lot of people can't. I can't. Yeah. So, I, so that then I, I, I go out with maybe one other person that I've done it with before. We go straight out for miles. And when you get a big one, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, you gotta gotta let it go, but it's worth taking a picture. For sure. But that's the answer. Can I ask you a, a personal question? Sure. What's your skincare routine look like? You have incredible fucking skin, dude. You know, like, it's <laughs> just I, I, fantastic. I, I, Lebanese have dark skin. And it's it it helps. My mother, you know, never aged. It was amazing. Mm. She looked terrific. Did she age quick and then stopped aging? Because <laughs> like Middle Easterns, bro, they I looked forty five at the age of five five or six, but I just stopped. <laughs> she taught me something years ago. Say, stay out of the sun. Like you know, really don't fry yourself in the yeah. sun. You can get she skin damage doing King. that. And I've always tried to avoid that. You know, if, 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 listen, I don't want to fry the dome. I got to make sure that it's covered all the time. Yeah. So the Dome of Desire is well taken care of. That's it. You know your IQ? I don't. I really don't. Um, you know. You think it's I, important? I don't think so. I mean, I I think everyday life tests you. And, yeah. You know, either I had dyslexia and I still do. And, you know, that was a, it held me back. I couldn't read and uh, it was falling back in school. But dyslexia is a weird thing. I can read a book upside down in a mirror. Like that's very strange. What? Like it's a superpower. That's how they, they told me and said, stop feeling bad about yourself. Just start reading the books in a mirror upside down. <laughs> you so, ever try that, Georgie? It's, it's, oh, no, I, yeah, I'm being serious. You know, it's, it's a crazy really? thing to do. But it, it, then it, it, you can eventually you get over those things. You, you figure out how to, to deal with them. Dyslexia, I have it really bad. Yeah. Extremely bad. Actually, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, it's the first time I'm actually admitting this. I'm writing a book. Yeah. And the reason I'm writing the book is because it's like a self-help book, uh, spirituality-wise. And uh, the first page is, is dedicated to, to the devil. Because really? in, in the second grade, uh, I completely dismissed me ever reading or writing. It was traumatizing, scaring. Uh, I'd pass out because if they even had to read do it. Yeah. Dyslexia. There was a game called Popcorn yeah. where they would go, Popcorn Mike, and Mike has to read. Till this day, if I hear the word popcorn, I, I literally, my stomach drops. Because like every kid would but do you it got to over beat the it, shit I assume, out of me. right? Recently. Yeah. Uh, recently, uh, I got over it. And uh, the reason I dedicated it to him is because I truly believe that this book that I'm going to be putting out to help people in their in their weakest form try to find God. Uh, I think that in the very young uh, youth of mine, I think the devil did not want me to write books. Interesting. And, and when I met Tony Robbins, I, I, I looked at him and I go, whatever he's doing, it, it, it just it resonated with my heart. And I laid up the whole night and I go, fuck, dude, was I supposed to write a book? And all of a sudden, I just started writing away, writing away, writing away. And then I gave it to a few friends to read a bit. And they just had goosebumps all over. And they're like, yo, you have to finish this. That's cool. Yeah, that's a very cool we'll story. We'll have two people on this podcast who wrote books. A dyslexic writing a book. Let's hope you have an yeah. editor. Can I ask <laughs> you, when you were young, did you ever be walking around all of a sudden the whole world would shift 90 degrees on you? Like, I'm joking. I'm like, a you, fucking you feel asshole. Lost? I like I don't know where you are. I, I, it's, I one of, it's one of the symptoms of hard dyslexia. You just, everything pivots 90 degrees. And you look around and say, I'm lost. I don't know. And then it comes back. That happened to me quite a few times. I had I had other things happen. I I my social cues were significantly different than people. So like I, when people were talking, I, I like and this sounds really weird, but I know how to talk to somebody and get them to say things that I want them to say through conversation. Like it's it's, it's weird. Like I I, I could read get, people's faces. Get me to say something. Um, George is so George stupid. George is so stupid. No, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but so, yeah, so I actually do have, I have a, I have one question that it, it is personal as well. Uh, I've met, my biggest fear is God willing being very successful and then losing my kid's uh, soul in the process because how am I supposed to like raise? No, no, for real, because I, I've never met, I, I, no, rarely, like one out of 10 
really wealthy people do I see their kids come out to uh, be that's really a great well. question. Oh, How do you that's, raise that's your kids I see. in a humble light? So that's entitlement. That's the, that's the, uh, so let me tell you a story on that one that, that saved my ass. And, you know, I've applied to my own family. When I was graduating college, my mother came to the graduation. She said, I've got great news. I'm coming to the graduation. Um, but um, I also have some other news. No more checks. And I said, what do you mean? Because she'd been paying for college and my rent and everything. And she said, the dead bird under the nest never learns how to fly. I said, what the hell does that mean? She said, no more checks. I'm not writing any more checks. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. You know, we've, I paid for your education. From, I paid for you from birth to the last day of college. We're done. And I thought, shit. I mean, because I really had no job or anything. And I had a tough couple of years. I mean, I couldn't even pay the rent. But it worked out and I got motivated. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm pretty happy about the outcome. So when I had my first big liquidity event, when the learning company got sold, it got sold for about $4.2 And there was 10 of us that were founders. So we woke up the next morning and said, shit, we're rich. Like we didn't even think about it. We came back to work and, and kept going. But when I went over, that was in, in Cambridge, and I went over to Boston and saw the lawyers and said, look, I want to set up a trust um, that basically provides for my kids because they were like four and six at the time. And um, it pays for everything for them um, until they finish college. And then they get nothing. <laughs> and he said, what the hell is that? I said, well, it's, it's, it's a way that I can provide for them to set them up in life, but not entitle them. I was taking a cue from my mother's strategy, same idea. And I went home that day and I, I told my wife I was gonna do this. And I sat down with my two kids and I said, here's how this trust works and everything's good until even if I, I get run over by a truck, you're good till you finish college. And they went, yeah, that's great dad. You know, didn't give a shit about it. They were four and six. So. <laughs> I can't it's, believe you sat your four you know, and six-year-old. Uh, but I, I had to disclose graduate. what I'd done. Years <laughs> later, years later, we're still in Boston and my son is doing really poorly in high school. He is sucking and just not applying himself. And, you know, his his marks are terrible. And the way to look at high school is to, it's just like a test to get into college. You got you to pass a few things. And I, so one day he says to me, um, I'll never forget this conversation. Lynn and I were going out to a movie that night and he says, Hey dad, one of my friends was telling me about his trust fund. And, um, what does my trust fund look like? And I said, well, uh, I don't know what your friend's fund, but here's how yours works. If mom and I get run over by a truck, you're good until you finish high school. Cause it doesn't look like you're going to college. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, the trust only pays till you finish college. Then it's, it's done. He says, what do you mean? It's done. I said, it means no more checks. And I said to him, the dead bird under the nest never learns how to fly. And he said, what the fuck does that mean? And I, I said, what it means is you should start thinking about taking advantage of this now because you're not, and you're, you're not, I don't know what's going to happen to you. you you're, you're not even going to finish high school here. And I think at that moment that, that the lesson of life, you know, given to me by my mother, must, he saw the abyss, he saw the darkness, he saw the situation he was in and went, shit, this is bad. And so he, he knuckled down and he started getting into uh, in what he was into and, and he, he eventually became an electrical engineer. And he, he, he was at the top of his class all through, you know, college and right into engineering. And in, in all these electrical engineering uh, cohorts, they all build a combustion F1 race car and an electric one. 
and they race them all around the world against each other because that's how they're learning if they're interested in electrical engineering, you're building that F1 formula car. And every year, MIT would win and because they always built the best car. Well, in Trevor's case, he became the captain of the team and he worked on the software that released the energy out of the battery in a different way and he beat MIT. And so the Tesla guys came over and said, who are you guys? And he, he went to college in McGill. He said, we're the McGill team. And he said, you're all hired at Tesla, all of you, wow. the whole team. Wow. That's where he works. That's where he lives in San Francisco. Wow. wow. So that's, cool. that's, that's cool. the lesson of the dead bird right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. App applicable advice too. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm yeah be because you can take care of them in health issues. But if you guarantee them a free ride and they never have to take any risks, they won't. Yeah. And you'll destroy their lives. It's the worst curse you could do. Yep. Everybody knows people that have really screwed up rich kids. It's And they made that mistake. They just made it too easy for them. It's not going to happen in my family. And my trust goes, you know, multi-generations. When he has kids, even if they're not married, it takes care of them till right at the end of college. Yeah. yeah that, com that comfort that, that those kids have is, is such a demon. I mean, all, all of your your drive and perseverance is... is you know, a result, a result of struggle and, and, and yeah. desperation. And failure exactly. and getting over it and getting exactly. up and doing your thing. I'm not going to mention his name, but we, we do know who this gentleman is. He came from, a, he was a trust fund kid and he did a lot of drugs. Then got out of it and he that cleaned. And, that and it comes always bad. It's always bad. Always bad. And I asked him, I go, dude, why would you throw your life away? Why, like respectfully, like you had everything at your fingertips. Why the fuck would you blow it? And when he looked me in my eyes and said, how would you feel if everything you worked for meant nothing because you knew you would get it regardless? And I was yeah, like, that, whoa. That, that's, you, you, that's, that's a broken tough. person. It's yeah. a broken person. But not, drugs never work out. It is a tough, tough, tough. You don't like weed? Marijuana? You know, here's the problem for me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to do the thing where, you know, I, 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 inhale, I didn't inhale and all that shit. Here's the actual practical problem with it. It is legal in some states and not in others. So it's a schedule one narcotic and I'm not against it or for it, don't care. But there's a, a, a law called the RICO statute. And if you transport a schedule one narcotic from a state where it's allowed to one that isn't, you have breached the RICO statute, which is a federal law. Kev, yeah. And wait, let me- I don't wait. think they're gonna bring RICO on somebody for no, driving so, over so state. That's like, that's like the Kingpin me, Act, like no, the, mafia. The, the way this came to me is, even with a couple of sharks, we started looking at investing in cannabis. I was really got interested, it, got it. particularly in hydroponic grow labs. So we had a great opportunity in upstate Vermont. It was like a REIT. It was a fantastic investment, 11% a year yield in cash. I love the deal. I sent it to the lawyers. And he said to me, what are you doing? Are you out of your fucking mind? This, If, if somebody uses this facility and transports what they've grown over you could be complicit in a, in a Schedule One narcotic. What? Oh yeah. It, what does that mean? What happens? Federal prison, federal, twenty-two federal years. Federal felony. Well, so so as of last week, and it, I'm not going to look so good in twenty-two years after being in prison. Your skin will probably still look good. <laughs> like so, all this stuff about <laughs> cannabis, we got to get it off the Schedule One narcotic. It, it, so as of last week, uh, the, a bill passed, I believe, House that will make uh, it federally decriminalized. Okay. So it's, it's, it's so all it's got to do is pass There's a lot of medicinal attributes of it. I think yeah. that have merit. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's a whole industry that wants to get going on it. I can't invest in it until they get rid of that Schedule One narcotic thing. I From a federal standpoint. Well, that the, the, the RICO statute's federal. Correct. So, but, and you basically, if somebody, if, we had a fantastic deal and I was all in. And when they explained it to me, I said, look, Kevin, you're a high profile guy. If some 
ambitious state's attorneys want to go after you, they're going to win. I, I see now why they said that, because you're talking about the movement of large amounts of... Yeah, you're, got we, it. we had a massive yeah, hydroponics got facility. It. So that, I, that I makes was, sense. I was just asking if you smoked weed, man. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> so I didn't, on, I didn't think you were fucking no way, pushing it. I was no just way asking. on the record I'm going to say that. I mean, oh, forget it. Oh, okay. Like, you know, we'll talk later. You I'm shouldn't just, smoke. <laughs> it's bad for you. That's my answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't do drugs. Yeah. drugs I bad. just recently quick... Just, you know what I say? Just say no. All right, we've taken up a lot of your time, dude. Um, I appreciate you. I really yeah. appreciate you coming. No, I really enjoyed this. You guys are a lot of fun. This is terrific. You know, and I, congratulations to you. You built a hell of a franchise. Thanks, man. You know what you got to think about now, and a great way to part about this the, the more famous you get, the more risk you have when you make a mistake. That's the way you got to look at it. I know. You, you don't want to get canceled. Like, after all this work for what you've built, it must be really hard every day, given the shit you do. To make sure you don't go offside. Not so much because I made a lot of mistakes early in my career and my life and was able to learn from them, pivot, adapt and be better. And so I can safely say I have a very good head on my shoulders. And more importantly, I'm surrounded by people who are smarter than me and in many cases better than me at certain things. And the insulation and growth that I've learned because of my failures have put me in a place where I'm really, really comfortable with. You got, you got, you have to weed out the bullshit that comes at you every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's mostly just for Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm just, in all seriousness, it's the stuff that can take you down. Yeah. And after you've achieved this success, you don't want that to happen. It's so hard to achieve what you've achieved. It's virtually impossible. Everybody wants to try and do it, particularly the base you've built on social. You got to be real careful. Yeah, for sure. And, and I and every day, you know, I I, I think about it, and I, you know, it's you gotta you gotta stay focused, man. You yep. gotta stay focused. Yep, absolutely. And I, I wouldn't get back in the ring. I think you're nuts. I wouldn't do that. Thanks, man. I just I want I want to win. I want one win. Um, you know, you we'll keep see. trying for that, and you're, you're like you got all this. You're winning already. Yeah, yeah. Or just take Don't a bum, take a bum fight, <laughs> take a bum fight. Take me behind the bum. Listen, uh, I'm gonna manifest this. I'd like to be a Shark Tank one day once I make. Hundreds of millions of dollars as a shark, a guest shark. I think it'd be cool. We hear you. That's very interesting. I will pass that on to the powers that be. Something to think about. But I, I got some work to do. Let me make some money first. But an under 30 boss. I think you've made a little money. You can probably afford a couple of episodes of Shark Tank. I could do it now. Sure. You know, it's interesting. The guest sharks that I know for this season, because um, every year we're getting, you know, new talent. Um, are really, really, really different than, than cool. the past. And so I think the producers are taking some really interesting directions. Yeah. And um, and I th- every year is different. Every year is different. And, you know, I, I think this year is going to be insane. So you'd probably be a good candidate for that. I'm going to cool. I'm gonna throw your name into the bucket. Thanks, man. Dude, that'd you be awesome. It. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching this episode of Impulsive. We love you. We will see you next time. Take it easy. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.